Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. Today, I am going to give you my review of WrestleMania and NXT uh, Stand and Deliver, and I'm going to be giving you the results from Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. Now, let me start off with Ring of Honor. On their pay-per-view, they have Shane Strickland, well, Swerve Strickland going against Alex Zane. Swerve Strickland defeated Alex Zane when he hit the JML driver for the win. After this, we had Tully Blanchard coming out to introduce Brian Cage as his newest acquisition to the Tully Blanchard Enterprises because on the pre-show of Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, Tully Blanchard introduced two men that he brought in so he could be managing in Ring of Honor, and they are known as the Gates of Agony. One is Khan, and one is Tua Leona. Uh, Khan is from Shane uh, Taylor Promotion. If you remember Shane Taylor Promotion, it was Moses, Shane Taylor, Khan, and a late acquisition, but uh, O'Shea Edwards. They were dominating Ring of Honor during the pandemic era, basically during 2020 and also 2021. And they were... I believe they were the longest reigning Ring of Honor six-man uh, champions, but Tully Blanchard has acquired Khan. So now Khan and his new tag partner, Tua Leona, are now known as the Gates of Agony. That's their tag name, as Brian Cage is basically going to be the like centerpiece for Tully Blanchard Enterprises. And Brian Cage defeated Ninja Mac when he hit the Drill Claw for the win. After this, we had Jay Lethal going against Lee Moriarty, who had Matt Seidel in his corner. Jay Lethal would defeat Lee Moriarty by pinfall, but he did it under uh, scrutiny because Jay Lethal would low blow Lee Moriarty when the referee wasn't looking, then hit the lethal cutter for the win. After this, we had the interim Ring of Honor Women's Championship matchup between Mercedes Martinez and Willow Nightingale. Mercedes Martinez beat Willow Nightingale when she hit a dragon sleeper on Willow and made Willow tap out. So, at a later date, it will be Mercedes Martinez going against Deanna Perrazzo to unify the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. After this, we had the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship matchup between FTR and the champions, the Briscoes. FTR would win the match when they hit the big rig on Mark Briscoe to become the new Ring of Honor Tag Champions. And the thing about this match was that they brought back the old school Ring of Honor titles. I mean, the old school Ring of Honor title that you would not be able to differentiate if that was the Ring of Honor tag title or the Ring of Honor world title by the way it looks. If you looked at Ring of Honor in 2002, 2003, and up to, I believe, until they got the HD net deal, they had one simple title. It was an old school Ring of Honor playing title for the world title and tag titles. They looked the same. They decided to bring it back. Long story short, ladies and gentlemen. After this, you will have the Young Bucks coming in and attack um, the Briscoes after the match when they hit the Super Kick Party and the BTE trigger on Jay Briscoe. And then you see FTR run into the ring to try to save the Briscoes, but the damage was done and the Bucks ran out of the ring and they announced that on Dynamite it will be FTR going against the Bucks on Dynamite. And... It's been speculated that it's going to be for the AAA tag titles and the Ring of Honor titles. I haven't seen anything online that it's, like, confirmed for it yet. But just be aware, if that happens, to, if that stipulation happens to happen on Dynamite, I just want you guys to know that, hey, you guys heard it here, but I'm not sure if that's 
going to happen. Like the stipulation, but the matter between the Bucks and uh, Briscoes, not Briscoes, but the Bucks and FTR will happen on Dynamite this Wednesday. After that, you will have the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Minoru Suzuki will go against Red Titus. Minoru Suzuki defeated Red Titus when he hit the gosh style pile driver and then pinned Red. So now Minoru Suzuki is now your new Ring of Honor World Television Champion. And this is Minoru Suzuki's first uh, championship uh, that he's won over here in America. So this is his first American uh, championship as well. After this, it was time for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship matchup. Wheeler Yuta went against the Pure Champion, Josh Goodwoods. Uh, Yuta would win the match when he hits a pinfall, a tricky style pinfall on Josh Woods to win the Pure Championship. So now Wheeler Yuta is now your new Ring of Honor Pure Champion. And then he got to the main event for the Unified Ring of Honor World Championship. Is Jonathan Gresham going against Bandito? And Jonathan Gresham would win the match when he got Bandito in a crucifix pin and pinned Bandito to win. And he is now your new unified Ring of Honor world champion. After the match, just like in the Ring of Honor television, well, not Ring of Honor television, the tag title matchup, a person came out and basically interrupted. And it was Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal came down and he went up to Jonathan Gresham and he demanded that Gresham be uh, defending the world title against him next. And then you see Gresham start getting at Lethal for disrespecting him and having an attitude. So then you see a shoving match between both Lethal and Gresham happen. Sanjay Dutt would come out to try to make peace, but then he punched Jonathan Gresham in the face. So now you see Sanjay Dutt has aligned himself with Jay Lethal. Both of them are buddies in real life. So they start stomping out uh, Gresham until Lee Moriarty tried to come out to make the save. But the numbers got to him and Lethal and Dutt start putting the boost to him as well. So now Lethal and Sanjay are in command of the ring and then you hear somebody's music hits and then the whole crowd starts looking over into the entrance and then on the Titantron you see fire show up and it says Samoa Joe and Joe starts walking out he's in his gear towel over his head the fans are going crazy Samoa Joe is back in ring of honor and he's back in in-ring competition he comes down he gets in the ring he ends up choking out Sanjay Dutt while Jay Lethal escapes and you see Jay Lethal just looking at the ring as Joe lifts up Jonathan Gresham and then shakes Gresham's hands. And that's how Supercard of Honor ends with um, Samoa Joe and Jonathan Gresham just standing in the ring. So now it has been confirmed that Samoa Joe has signed with AEW. He is all elite and he will be making an appearance on Dynamite uh, this week to address his arrival on Ring of Honor and also AEW. And also during the AEW, no, well, the Ring of Honor uh, Supercard uh, post uh, post conference, if you will, um, Jonathan Gresham was on the podium with Tony Khan, and he mentioned how uh, he would love to stay with Ring of Honor, and he only has two missions to that he has to do in Ring of Honor: one's to go against Brian Danielson, and one to go against CM Punk. And Tony Khan said that he would love to have Gresham on. AEW television to defend the Ring of Honor title whenever the time comes. So expect Gresham to be on Dynamite or AEW television, whether it be Dynamite or Rampage sometime in the future because now Ring of Honor is now starting to get fully up and running. We just don't know if we'll, when they will have television back or when they'll start running tapings, but it seems to me that Tony Khan knows what he wants to do in Ring of Honors, but in the meanwhile, we're going to get Ring of Honor stars on Dynamite or 
Rampage. Either way, I'm cool with that. So that was your Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor results. Now, onto the NXT Stand and Deliver. On the pre-show, you had the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship matchup. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez going against the champions, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane of Toxic Attraction. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai would win the match by pinfall when Dakota would hit a running kick on JC Jane in the corner, then tag in Raquel, and then Raquel would hit JC with the Chicona Bomb for the win. Raquel was wearing a Selena-inspired uh, tribute outfit. Is the sparkling purple uh, Selena dress that she wore on stage is the one that everybody knows Selena for. At least that's the image that I know Selena, her wearing the pink, the, well, not the pink, the purplish sparkling uh, dress. And also, Gigi Dola and JC Jane happened to had to deal with uh, Wendy Chu as well because Wendy did pop up towards the end of the match and throw her orange soda on Gigi Dolan on the outside of the ring, and that allowed uh, Raquel and Dakota to also win. So that's Dakota and Raquel do owe some of that winning towards uh, Wendy Chu for coming out there. But anyway, we have new NXT Women Tag Team Champions, Dakota and Raquel, and hopefully they have a long or at least a medium-sized reign with the tag team titles because this will make up for them immediately losing the tag titles last year whenever they first got them. So we shall see what happens with that. Uh, after this, it's time for the Fatal 5-Way ladder match for the North American Championships. Uh, it was Santos Escobar going against Grayson Waller, going against Solisicoa, going against Cameron Grimes, going against the A champion, the North American champion, Carmelo Hayes. Cameron Grimes would win the match, and he is your new North American champion. When Carmelo was pulled off the ladder, and Santos hit the Phantom Driver on Hayes. Then Cameron Grimes came off and hit a springboard cave-in on Santos Escobar, then quickly climbed up the ladder to unsnap the title from the hook, and now we have a new North American champion, Cameron Grimes. The MVPs for this match were Santos Escobar and Grayson Waller. The fans were on Santos Escobar's uh, side a lot. They were in Texas, and Texas is close to Mexico, and Santos comes from a Lucha Libre family. He is part of a Lucha Libre uh, royalty family. So anybody that has been watching Lucha Libre since you're in Texas and you're close to Mexico, you probably get CMLL and AAA. You know exactly Santos's uh family, so the crowd were chanting and rooting with Santos majority throughout this matchup. Uh, Santos would hit a sunset flip a powerbomb on Solosokoa from the top of the ladder on Solosokoa's body would, well, his back would hit the a ladder perched on the corner. Then you would see later in the matchup, uh, Santos hit a Huna Karana on Grayson Waller off of the ladder. So that was two of his big moments in the matchup. And Grayson Waller had the biggest moment of the match whenever he went to the top, well, whenever he got the biggest ladder, went to the top of it, you saw two ladders, uh, bridged on the barricade and the ring and you had Cameron Grimes on one ladder Carmelo Hayes on another and you knew it was supposed to happen uh Grayson Waller was going to jump on both of them but Cameron Grimes and Carmelo Hayes both jumped off of the ladder so Grayson Waller ended up crashing his arm onto one of the ladders and he started screaming in pain bloody murder and I didn't know if he was hurt or not but later as WrestleMania uh, night one Saturday, you saw Grayson Waller and Sangha in a um, skybox and you saw his arm in a sling. So I think that he is hurt, hurt. There was no way he was going to get hurt from that. I hope Grayson Waller does heal up from that. And hopefully he gets on commentary 
because Grayson Waller is an entertaining bad guy. He makes you want to see him get punched in the face. Not a lot of wrestlers have that ability anymore, but Grayson Waller has that, and I'm glad to glad to see it, but I'm hopefully that he recovers up and we'll see him back in the ring. After this, we had Tony D'Angelo with AJ Galanti on his corner going against Tommaso Ciampa. Tony D'Angelo would win the match by pinfall because early in the match, you saw Ciampa go outside, pull um, some of the ring mat out to expose the concrete floor. And then later in the match, you saw Tony D'Angelo and Ciampa on the outside of the ring. They're fighting on the outside, and Tony ends up DDTing Ciampa on the concrete uh, floor that Ciampa exposed earlier in the matchup. So then Tony would throw Ciampa in the ring, kick him in the head, and then pin him right then and there. After the match, the fans started chanting, thank you, Ciampa, because they know this is Ciampa's swan song in NXT, and it's time for him to go off to the main roster. So now we're just waiting to see where Ciampa's going to go, whether he's going to go to Raw or SmackDown. That's just the biggest uh, mystery piece at the moment. Tommaso Ciampa did pay tribute to people, well, during this matchup and before the matchup, because before the matchup, when Tommaso went to do his entrance, he came down, he got to the ring, he took one of the bottle of waters that was at the commentary booth, he did the Triple H spitting the water in the air thing, and then once he got in the ring, he did the uh, HBK uh, pose, and then during the matchup, he locked in the Gargano lock on Tony D'Angelo as well, so he was paying tributes to three guys that helped him out in NXT. So that was special to see. And also after the match, you saw Chapa get on the stage and you saw Triple H's music hit. Triple H would come out. He hugged Champa. He said something into his ear. He lifted up Champa's arm and just pointed at him so the fans can cheer more for Champa. Because again, this is Champa's swan, swan song. And this is the last time we're more likely going to see Champa in NXT, at least for a long time. After this, it's time for the triple threat tag team matchup for the NXT tag team titles. MSK going against the Creed Brothers, going against Imperium. MSK will win the match by pinfall. When Imperium were looking to hit their tag finish on Nash Carter, but Carter would counter out of the powerbomb position and hit a sunset flip. Then Wesley would uh, hit a Hurricanron on Marcel Bartel, and Carter would catch Bartel in midair and hit a powerbomb, and they cover him for the win. So now MSK is your new NXT Tag Team Champions. I thought it was going to be the Creed Brothers because it was all built up for the Creed Brothers to win it because they won the Dusty Tag Team Classic. You already have a pre-build uh, feud already in the wings for the Creed Brothers after this because, again, somebody trashed their gym set, and this just would add more fuel to the fire and they want to go after the Tag Team Champions. But, again, that was not meant to be. MSK are now your new NXT Tag Champions. They're the two-time NXT Tag Champions. Still a good choice, and still somehow fans were still booing MSK during this. I don't understand the hate that MSK get, but hopefully we get to change that sometime soon. After this, it was a fatal four-way match for the NXT Women's Championship. Mandy Rose defended the title against Cora Jade, Io Shirai, and Kaylee Ray. Just a little note for this. Uh, the Women's Championship is updated. They put it on a white strap, well, white leather strap, and now they have color, like, insinuated inside the belt because you saw some blue and some type of orange on the uh, side pieces of the championship. And then you saw some color like detail inside the belt as well. So they're starting to add some color to the NXT Women's Championship to give it a new breath of fresh air, if you will. Mandy would win the match by pinfall when Kaylee Ray would hit the KLR bomb on Cora Jade. 
Then she went up to the top turnbuckle. Io Shirai would get up there, push Kaylee Ray off the top turnbuckle, and Io would hit her moonsault on Cora Jade. Then, once Io Shirai does this, she ends up taking a breather, and then Mandy saw this as the perfect opportunity to run into the match, hit her bicycle knee on Io Shirai, then cover Io for the rinse win. So, Mandy is still your NXT Women's Champion. Great match. I expected, uh, I didn't, I let me to be honest with you, I didn't know what to expect with these four women. I thought Cora J was going to win because, again, you built it up to Cora J was winning this, but that didn't happen. So we're saving Cora J to win at a different time. Mandy winning this, I didn't have a problem with it at all because Tazi Katrasha still has one belt in their mix. So I want to see how they're going to do this. But, again, solid Fatal 4-Way women's matchup. After this, LA Knight went against Gunther. Gunther would win the match by pinfall when Knight would hit Gunther with the burning hammer to cover him. Gunther would kick out. Knight then went to the top turnbuckle, and then Gunther would get off the mat and chop Knight right in the calf. Knight would then fall on the turnbuckle, then Gunther would chop Knight in the back, and then clothesline him off the top turnbuckle, then go up to the top turnbuckle, jump off, hit a big body splash on LA Knight, then pick him up and hit a powerbomb on Knight, then cover him for the win. You know what you get with a Gunther match, or Walter match, if you will. You know what you're getting. You're getting chops, you're getting big hits, you're getting all these type of things. Knight was able to deal with those hits, but also exchange those hits back, and also exchange back the power game with Gunther as well. So, if you're looking for a power match, a standard classic power like wrestling match this is the match for you again solid match between la knight and gunther nothing bad but it makes it seem that gunther is literally the next guy in line for the nxt championship speaking of the main event of nxt stand and deliver nxt championship matchup Dolph ziggler with robert rude in his corner going against Braun breaker Dolph would win the match by pinfall when earlier in the match, Dolph would pull off the second turnbuckle and exposing the steel underneath it while the referee was uh, kicking Robert Roode out from the match and telling Robert Roode he has to go to the back. So once that happened, you saw Braun Breaker dominate the good portion of the matchup. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler would be able to get some spots in here and there and get some of his licks off, but Braun was dominating and basically beating up Dolph Ziggler in this match. And towards the end of the match, when Braun had Dolph in position to hit his gorilla press slam, Dolph would rake the eyes of Braun Breaker, get out of the move, and then shove Braun into that steel turnbuckle. And then once that happened, he would hit Braun with a super kick and cover him for the pin. And that's how Dolph Ziggler retained his NXT championship. So the only people that retained their titles at Stand and Deliver were Dolph Ziggler and Mandy Rose, two people that were on the main roster and then came down to NXT to win NXT Gold, and that's what they still have around their waist. Uh, stand and deliver. It was a good uh pay per view or a good premium live event. It was fine. If you want to watch it, you do that. I would suggest if you're going to watch all of it because you know what, all of these performers, all of these wrestlers put on a good. Show, I mean, it's again, it's still not your traditional stand delivered, the one that you're looking for of 2016, 2015, 2017, 18, 19. It ain't like that. This is a newer, updated version of how they want their uh takeovers or their NXT live uh shows to be. Again, good show, nothing bad to say about it. 
the matches of the night for me for Stand and Deliver were the ladder match and the triple threat tag team match for the NXT men's tag team titles. But again, Stand and Deliver, good show. Now it's time for WrestleMania Night 1. We start off with the SmackDown Tag Team Championship matchup between the Usos going against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Boogs and Nakamura's attire, their colors were the orange and yellow colors. They were wearing the sponsor's uh, colors of uh, Hard Mike's Lemonade, so they were endorsing that. Um, However, during the match, Boogs would get injured when he had both of the Usos on his shoulder, and you saw his right knee buckle, so he dropped, and you knew that he was hurt because he tried to get back up, but he couldn't, so he had to like crawl over to Nakamura, tag him in, and you saw Boogs roll out of the ring. So you saw the referee talk to the Usos. You saw that like in there, but they try to hide it discreetly as much as they can, and you knew the finish had to change. The Usos would hit the 1D, the 3D on Nakamura, cover him, pin him, and the Usos is still your SmackDown Tag Team Champions. This was a bad break for Boogs and Nakamura because this was supposed to be their night for them to win the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Anybody that says, oh, they're never supposed to win, you're a liar. Because you don't wear uh, sponsors' colors on your gear. You don't do all the stuff that they were doing without you having the plan that they're going to be the champions they're going to win that night. Nakamura and Boogs were supposed to win, but with Boogs going down, you can't have Nakamura beating the Usos single-handedly by himself. That wasn't going to fly. So, the Usos do win, and they are still your SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And it also was announced later in the night that Boogs tore his quad and his patella and will begin surgery later this week. So, Rick Boogs, if you happen to listen to this, I uh, hope you get well. Please be careful. Uh, please just rest up, because I know with athletes, they try to push their limits after they get surgery. Yes, they heal up, but they try to push it to try to recover back quickly. Take this time to sit down, relax, and just recover after you get done with surgery. The WWE will still be there. Nakamura will still be there. Everybody will still be there waiting for you when you come back and you will get uh, a big ovation because trust me, you with the guitar and your yelling of saying boogs and er your whole presentation as a character, it is going to be missed. And once you come back, the fans are definitely going to be cheering your name. After this, it was Drew McIntyre going against Happy Corbin with Madcap Moss in his corner. Drew McIntyre will win the match by pinfall when Drew hits the Future Shock DDT, then nip up and hit the Claymore kick on Corbin to win the match. During the match, Corbin did hit the end of days and covered Drew, but Drew kicked out of it, and this was the first time any superstar kicked out of the end of days, and this also was the first time that Happy Corbin, under this new moniker, has lost a match, so two streaks ended that night. After the match, you saw Drew McIntyre holding his sword in the air, enjoying the fans cheering with him, and he saw out of the corner of his eye, he saw Madcap try to enter the ring. Drew then quickly pointed his sword at Madcap and started walking closer to Moss. Madcap Moss was on the ring apron at the time, and then you see Drew and him lock eyes, and Drew's close to him. Drew raises his sword in the air, and he swings the sword, and Madcap drops off the ring apron, and the sword ends up cutting the top rope and the middle rope, and the other ropes start exploding around the ring. So, the ropes had to be prepared, and this was just showing you the dominant side of Drew McIntyre and the sword in his hand. 
I could have swore this match would have been much more better on SmackDown. I mean, SmackDown seems like this, like the way that you would want to go with this match. But since they put it on WrestleMania, you gave it time. You gave us something that nobody's done so well before. Have somebody kick out at the end of days. And you saw somebody beat uh, Corbin and ending his happy Corbin streak of never losing. I mean, I see why they did it. I see why they put it on Mania. But again, this feud seems more like a television feud instead of a pay-per-view or a premium live event feud. I'm going to say pay-per-view a lot because premium live event just still has a rolled off the tongue for me more. But I guarantee more or less, just like everything with programming, I'm going to get used to saying premium live event. And I'm probably just going to say live event next. Anyway, next matchup. The Mysterios going against Logan Paul and The Miz. The funny thing about this matchup is before I give you guys who won this thing, uh, the Mysterios popped out of the stage like Ray used to do in his entrances in WWE when he first got there. So when Ray used to come into the WWE on his entrance, he would usually pop up from underground on the stage. And he was able to do that with his son this time. And this was the first time Ray has done this in decades. With Ray Mysterio having so many knee operations, I was surprised to see that. And I was... Glad to see that with him and Dominic being able to do that. The father and son pop up from underneath the ring. That brought me so much joy. As well as Dominic paying tribute to Eddie Guerrero by wearing uh, Los Gringos Locos attire. By wearing like the whole uh, United States uh, attire. But if you know Eddie Guerrero, you can just easily type in Los Gringos Locos Eddie Guerrero on Google Images. And you'll see the attire. Then you'll look at Dominic's attire and you'll understand exactly uh, Dominic paying tribute to Eddie with their attire. Anyway, Logan Paul and The Miz would win the match by pinfall. When Logan was in position for Rey Mysterio and Dominic to hit him with a 619, The Miz tagged himself in, and then Paul ate a double 619, and he hit a frog splash from Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. When Rey was pinning Logan, Miz scooped up Dominic and then slammed him on top of Rey, then lifted up Rey and hit the skull crushing finale on Rey Mysterio to cover him for the win. After the match, Logan Paul and The Miz lifted up each other's hands, well, arms in the air, and they were celebrating it as the fans were booing him, well, booing both of them. You would see in The Miz's face, he would cheer, and then he hit a blank stare, and he looked at Logan Paul as Logan was completely oblivious to it as he was still relishing in his WrestleMania win. You would see Miz quickly go over to Logan, hit him with a scroll crusher finale, and then he immediately started trash-talking Logan Paul on the mat, and then he starts getting out of the ring, and the fans are cheering the Miz now because everybody hates Logan. Everybody hates Logan. Nobody's forgotten about what Logan has done in my idea, but everybody don't like Logan Paul, so the Miz quickly became a fan favorite after skull-crushing uh, Logan, and I'm going to say it right now, the reason why Miz did this, in my opinion, is because Miz don't forget about things, and remember, on Raw, Miz ate a double 619 and a frog splash as Logan Paul just sat there and looked at it and he didn't try to help Miz like get out of the ring. So I believe the Miz did this as payback. Now onto the performance of Logan Paul. Logan Paul did well in this match. Uh, Logan Paul is a natural heel. If he was in WWE, he would get booed so hard. And if anything, I will see Logan Paul teaming up with Grayson Waller, two guys that uh, know how to work social media so well and they're so hated. You can easily boo. They're easily booable. And I can just see them working with Logan Paul more in the future down the line. Again, I don't like Logan Paul because of what he did with the whole suicide uh, 
force in Japan. You can look that up yourself. But I got to give the devil his due. He did do well in WWE. He did do well in his uh, debut match on Mania. And even at one point, he hit Rey Mysterio with the three amigos. And he hit him with the frog splash. I mean, he was the most cockiest prick in this whole thing. But again, it worked. So again, congratulations to Logan Paul for his uh, outstanding uh, debut in WWE. Still not better than Bad Bunny. Still not better than Pat McAfee's. I got to throw them in. But Logan Paul did do well. After this, now it's time for the Raw Women's Championship matchup between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Both competitors did get the special entrances. This is WrestleMania. Becky would come out in the car with her new hairdo, and Bianca would get Texas Southern University, a black college, play her out. And the last time we saw a school marching band used at WrestleMania was for John Cena. And I somebody tweeted out that Bianca Belair is a generational talent, and they put it up with her using the marching band. And I like kind of coincide how Bianca Belair is a generational talent. And she used a marching band. John Cena is a generational talent. And he used a marching band at WrestleMania 24. And you could kind of like use the parallels between John Cena and Bianca Belair. Because the people love Bianca. Bianca is so beloved by the fans. And John Cena was beloved by the fans. And he still is now. But during that run, he was booed. But the fans love John Cena. He's a beloved guy. And Bianca Belair is on the trajectory to being that John Cena for the WWE. She's on the trajectory to being in Hollywood and doing all these things because she is that love of a character and that love of a person. Bianca would win the match by pinfall when she hit Becky with the KOD for the win. Let me say this right now. Both Becky and Bianca put on a great match. A hell of a match. You saw both ladies put it all out on the line. Especially at one point, at um, in one spot in the match, you saw Becky go up to the top rope, and she went for the molly go round. But in the process of spinning, well, rolling and jumping off and rolling, she ended up kicking Bianca in the face and hitting her in the eye. So you see on a Google images later, she was holding the belt, and you see like her eye like swollen a little bit. She said her eyes hurt is not injured, so she doesn't have an eye injury. It's just puffed up. Hopefully, it'll, the swelling will come down by tonight on Monday Night Raw. We'll have this, we'll, we will have to see. But both of them put on a hell of a match. You saw Becky uh, manhandle slam, Bianca on the steel steps. You saw both of these ladies just like do what they had to do in this match. I mean, there was a whole lot of great moments in this match, and... I just want you to go out of your way, watch this match. This is definitely one of those matches that you want to watch throughout both nights of Mania. This is definitely one of them. Also, the next match that I'm about to cover is another match you want to go and watch. And it was Seth Rollins going against a mystery opponent. Seth Rollins came out with uh, children's, well, teenage people singing his song, but usually doing the chorus for it. He comes out. Ric Flair style robe with the feathers blue on it. He gets in the ring. Now we're all waiting for his person to pop up. We're waiting for his opponent to show up. As he's waiting in the ring, you start seeing Seth chattering and say, come on, don't make, don't make me wait. Don't make us wait. And he's still waiting and waiting. The fans are yelling Cody and everybody's just, 
high anticipation for it. Me even watching it, I was getting jittery. Like, oh my god, are they really gonna pull it off? And then you see uh, Pyro pop off on the in the ring on the turnbuckles. Then you see the camera shift over to the entrance ramp, and Pyro start going off on the entrance ramp and on the stage. And then the dark, the arena went black. And then only a spotlight was on in the ring. And you saw just Seth's eyes looking at the uh, ring. Well, at the entrance ramp. And then that goes black. So now the whole arena is dark. And we're all waiting in anticipation. And then you hear wrestling only has one royal family. Well, wrestling has more than one royal family. And then the whole crowd, the whole stadium light up. And it start. People were losing their mind. People were cheering because they knew that the prodigal son was back in WWE. The guy that helped build AEW literally from the ground up, Cody Rose, the American Nightmare. Yes, I said it. The American Nightmare is back in WWE. WWE is using the American Nightmare uh, nickname because Cody owns that. He owns the logo and they're using everything. The same AEW presentation, the same way that Cody was an AEW. He is that in WWE. He had the most pyro out of everybody besides Roman Reigns in both nights of WrestleMania. That's a fact. So Cody was treated like a legit superstar. The people loved him. And Cody got the welcome home uh, cheer and adulation from the fans. And him and Seth had a barn burner of a match. They put on... A great match. This wasn't just a flash in the pan. Oh, you're here now. Uh, squash or a 10 minute. No, they went 20 some odd minutes. And they went hard. They went fast paced. They did everything they could do in this matchup. Because let me say this right now. Cody Rose and Seth Rollins have this special history with each other. In, in Dallas, Texas. Let me start off with the history between those two. When Seth Rollins was the NXT champion in, well early in his career, like 2011-ish, Cody told a story whenever he left WWE about how he was the Intercontinental Champion, and now his father, Dusty, was booking NXT, and they wanted Cody to go down there for a live event to have a match. Cody said, okay, and he thought, I'm going to put over an NXT guy, and he wanted to know who the guy he was wrestled with, wrestling against, and it was Seth Rollins, and his father told him, look, you're going to have a match with Seth, you're going to have a good match, and you're going to win. Cody does that. They have a good match. They have a good rapport. So they have a good outstanding. Uh, they have a good relationship with each other starting from that matchup. And then once they go into the Seth does his shield thing, the shields first like big prominent like feud feud was against the Rhodes family, Dusty, Goldust and Cody Rhodes. And this was the storyline that Cody was trying to get his job back and his father was trying to get his job back and Dusty was trying to get his job back and they had a match at, I believe, Battleground. And that's whenever Dusty, Cody, and Goldust uh, got their jobs back. So again, Seth and Cody have a report from that. And then you see the report that they have from Dallas, Texas, especially Mania, because the last time you saw Cody in Mania was at Dallas, Texas in WrestleMania 32, and he was in the Stardust whole attire. And the last time Seth was in Dallas, Texas for WrestleMania, it was at WrestleMania 32, and he was injured, and he had to sit at the Skybox, and this was on Seth Rollins' uh, uh, documentary that he has on the WWE Network on Peacock, if you want to watch it. I still remember that. 
Um, he talked about how he couldn't stand being there because he didn't like waiting on the sideline. So now, and he said that the next time I'm here, I'm going to have a match and I'm going to show out. So now Cody's back. It's been six years and he's back in WWE and his first match is against Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins is here to put on a match of a lifetime, which both of them do. And again, he had a hell of a match. Cody would win the match by pinfall when he hits two crossroads. Then he hits his father's punches. He does the punch, 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 and then the bionic elbow. And then hits Seth with another crossroads to win the match. Again, hell of a match. I mean, oh my God. I can't praise him any more than that. Again, Bianca Belair and Becky match, you definitely want to watch. Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes match, you definitely, definitely want to watch. After this SmackDown Women's Championship matchup, Ronda Rousey going against Charlotte Flair. Charlotte would win the match by pinfall when Ronda pushed Charlotte into the referee and Charlotte ended up spearing the ref. While the referee was down, Ronda got Charlotte in an arm bar and Charlotte started to tap out. Ronda notices that the referee is down. She goes over to the ref and starts helping him up. And Charlotte would see this as an opportunity to run over, hit Ronda with a big boot to the face, Cover her for the win. One, two, three. Charlotte is still your SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, this was a hard match to follow after the Seth and Cody matchup. It was a real hard match to follow up. I feel sorry for both Ronda and Charlotte. They put, they tried the best they could, but it just couldn't measure up to even Bianca and Becky's match. They could not measure up. They should have had this match on the second night, or they could have had Bianca and... Becky on the second night and had this match still in the first night since they tending since Ronda did win the women's Royal Rumble. But again, WWE does what they want to do. And again, they couldn't measure up to the two matches that we just got done watching. But they did what they had to do. They did what they could do. Still solid, but with the talent that both Ronda and Charlotte have, you know that they can do better. And their Survivor Series match was better than this. So Hopefully we get another matchup between these two and hopefully next time it is a submission match. So that means they can use weapons. They can do everything they can do as long as your opponent taps out. That's all that matters. And I'm hoping what will happen next time they have a match between each other. Now it's time for the main event of night one of WrestleMania. The Kevin Owens show with his guest Stone Cold Steve Austin. Kevin Owens and Stone Cold get in the ring. The fans are cheering for Stone Cold because they're in Dallas. This is the first time... Uh, Stone Cold has been back in the ring like officially since 19 years and Kevin Owens and Austin go back and forth in the ring a little bit but then Kevin Owens has to cut Austin off and tell him hey listen I didn't call you out here to be a guest on my show I lied on that I called you out here because I want to fight you Austin obliges and then we get a match between the two and it's a no holds barred match and again, this is Austin's first match in 19 years. So Austin's out here wrestling in a shirt and his jean shorts with two knee uh, braces, one on each knee. Uh, during the match, you would see Kevin Owens get thrown through a table at ringside. And then you would see Kevin Owens and Steve Austin fight inside the crowd. And at one point, Kevin Owens would suplex Austin on the cement floor. And that looked like that mess hurt. And I didn't understand how Austin would continue, but Austin does. Uh, Austin also during the match, you will see Austin get beers and drink them during the matchup to quench his thirst. Uh, but ultimately Kevin Owens would hit Austin with a stunner, but then Austin would kick out of the pin. And then you see Kevin Owens go to the outside of the ring, grab a steel chair, try to hit Austin with a steel chair, 
but Austin ducks it. Kevin Owens hits uh, the chair, hits the ropes, bounces off and hits Kevin Owens in the head, and then you see Austin hit Kevin Owens with a stunner, cover him for the win. After the match, you see Austin drink some more beers. Fans are cheering for him. And once Kevin Owens got up again, you see Austin stun him again. And then Austin would kick out Kevin Owens out of the ring. And then you see two Texas officers help Kevin Owens get up and they escort him outside of the building. So that's how night one ends with Austin being the Texas guy standing over the guy that was taught bad mouth in Texas to end off and make the crowd basically go home happy for night one of WrestleMania. After this, now it's time for night two of WrestleMania. Triple H comes out with a suit. He does his Triple H entrance, but when he gets in the ring, he gets to soak in the crowd's love as they were chanting for Triple H and everything else. You saw Triple H throw up the too sweet sign, and they were chanting too sweet. And ultimately, Triple H would open up and say, welcome to WrestleMania, and then he would leave his wrestling boots in the ring because, again, Triple H has a defibrillator in his chest, a.k.a. it means that helps uh, pump his heart, I believe. That's my understanding of it. So Triple H is no longer active in the ring ever. He's now retired. So Triple H just wanted to get that last WrestleMania soaking in of the fans, like cheering him in and all that good stuff. After this, it's time for the first match of the night, triple threat match for the Raw Tag Team Titles, RK Bro going against the Street Profits, going against Alpha Academy. RK Bro would win the match by pinfall when Randy would catch Gable in the air and hit an RKO and they cover him for the win. Couple highlights for the match: you saw Alpha Academy hit an assisted bulldog, which was a tribute to the Steiners who got inducted to the Hall of Fame on Friday. You saw Riddle hit an RKO from the top rope on Montez Ford as well. After the match, the Street Profits would get in the ring and give RK-Bro red cups so they could celebrate. But before they celebrated, you saw the Street Profits calling Gabe Stevenson, well, Gable Stevenson, in the ring. And he got in the ring while well, he jumped the barricade, got in the ring, and then the Street Profits handed him a red cup. Pour some drink into it. You saw all five men about to get a toast in the ring, but then you saw Chad Gable get in the ring and he slaps the red cup out of Gable Stevenson's hand. RK Bro and the Street Profits know what's about to go down, so they leave the ring so Stevenson can handle his business. Chad gets a mic and he gives a lesson to Gable and tells him that whenever you're in my presence, remember the shush. Gabe Stevenson ultimately grabs Chad Gable up, hits him with an over-the-head belly-to-belly suplex to end the segment. So this is telling us that Gable Stevenson is coming to WWE sooner rather than later. Because remember, he was a college athlete. I'm not sure if this is if he's in the last uh, semester of college. But again, he's coming to WWE because he's already signed a contract. He's under WWE. And we're just now, we're just waiting until he steps into the ring. And this was just showing us a small glimpse of what he could do. After this, we had another matchup. Omos going against Bobby Lashley. Lashley would win the match by pinfall when he speared Omos in the back. And then he speared Omos in the front to cover him for the win. Bobby Lashley and Omos had a good match. What this proved and showed everybody was that Omos, with some train, with more training and more uh, time under his belt, he could be a force in the WWE. He could be a force as a big man because at one point in this match, Bobby Lashley was on the top rope. He jumped off for a crossbody, and Omos caught him in the air like a child, and he. 
made Bobby look small. Do you not know how hard it is to make Bobby Lashley look like a small guy? Because Bobby Lashley isn't a small guy. I'll get he's about to get a six foot two, six foot three, but he's jacked. And you going against a guy like Omos who's seven foot tall, he's gonna make you look like a kid. But the way that he made Bobby look like a kid was crazy. But again, Lashley won. The more experienced wrestler won. And I'm happy for that because now Lashley gets to go off to bigger and better things. More than likely the main event scene. After this, we had the Anything Goes match between Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville would win the match with Knoxville tased Sami Zayn. Then he put Sami Zayn inside a big mouse trap. And then the trap ended up cup slapping onto Zayn's chest. So Zayn couldn't move. His shoulders was down. Sammy uh, had to get pinned by Knoxville, and that's how the well the match ended with Johnny Knoxville pinning Sammy Zayn. This match was the most entertaining thing on the card, an entertaining thing throughout WrestleMania weekend. And what I mean by entertaining, I mean it got everybody literally like jumping for this matchup. You had the whole jackass crew get in the ring and help out Sami Zayn throughout the night. You had party man or party guy come and do like distract Sami Zayn. You had Wee Man literally come in and start beating up on Sami Zayn, and he even uh, suplexed Sami Zayn. And then you had the whole rest of the jackass crew get in the ring to like throw in, well, slide in the mousetrap to put Sami Zayn inside the mousetrap. And Johnny Knoxville took a beating. I mean. Sami Zayn was able to give Knoxville a beating and able to beat him up, and Knoxville was able to take it. However, Sami Zayn was able to make this whole thing look good. If you have a crappy wrestler in there with somebody like Johnny Knoxville, it wasn't going to turn out good. But Sami Zayn is a phenomenal professional wrestler. He's a phenomenal talent, and it's understandable why anybody would want Sami Zayn on their roster because he can make anything look good. He can be put in any match, and he can make it stellar. This match should not have been that entertaining. It shouldn't have been that good. But with Sami Zayn in there, he's able to make anything look good and be presented good. So that match was the most entertaining match throughout the whole night and on night one of WrestleMania. Remember, I say entertaining. I didn't say pure wrestling. I say entertaining. So this is where the entertainment value come into the WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment of WWE. So if you're looking for entertainment, you need to watch Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. That's the match that you want to watch out of WrestleMania on night two. After this, we had a fatal four-way matchup for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. It was Naomi and Sasha Banks going against the team of Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, going against the team of Natalya and Shayna Baszler, going against the champions Queen Selena and Carmella. Sasha and Naomi would win the match by pinfall when Naomi and Sasha hit a double team move, which was an assisted double knees to the face of Carmella. And then you saw Sasha pin Carmella for the win. This ends Sasha Banks' losing streak on WrestleMania. And also this gives the dominant women all the championships in WWE. Because uh, now you have Charlotte being the SmackDown Women's Champion. But more importantly, you have... Bianca Belair, Naomi, and Sasha Banks, all three dominant, fan-loved uh, black women as the cream of the crop, the top of the top. Because if it was going to be any other team but Naomi and Sasha Banks, I said throw those tag titles in the trash because 
I get the fans love Liv Morgan. The fans are cool on Rhea Ripley. But the rest of the other four, Naomi, uh, Shayna Baszler, that wasn't happening. And Queen Selena and Carmella, that wasn't happening. And they already had their time with the belts. It was time for them to like, give it up. Naomi and Sasha Banks, those two are literally women that you can have them go away for a period of time. And it's been proven every time they go away. And when they come back, the fans love them off their entrance and off their attire and off their uh, ring matches. The fans love Naomi. The fans love Sasha Banks. It's been proven. It's a time-tested thing. So you give it to the people that are the biggest in the matchup for this match. Naomi and Sasha Banks, I'm not going to say needed it, but they should have, and they did win the women's tag team titles, and WWE did the right thing finally for that uh, championship. And hopefully Naomi and Sasha Banks actually get to go to other shows and defend those titles, go to Raw, go to NXT, because yes, NXT is still part of WWE, and even though they got a tag team division, well, tag team titles of their own, it's good to see the WWE tag team champions of the women division going against the NXT tag team champions down there. Why not do it? But again, that's just me throwing out a free idea for you to use WWE. After this, we had Edge going against AJ Styles. Edge came out in a sinister master-like type entrance here because he came out uh, from underneath the ring on top of a... Uh, God, is like the Shao Kahn thing. Because if you know Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat, he had like the perch where you had to go up some stairs to get to him. That's exactly what Edge had, but he had to come up from underneath the ring and he was sitting on a throne. And he was surrounded by fire and Edge was wearing a black... Uh, coat so edge is really taking this sinister like master like evil thing under his wing and now it's becoming his own thing and for me even in his attire he was wearing black with purple and white and those are significant colors on undertaker so undertaker has now retired and my thoughts i think edge is taking over the aura of the evilness of the undertaker and now turning it over to Edge, and now he's messing with it and playing with it to get what he got to get from it to put himself at the top of the wrestling food chain, the way that Edge and his new character feels that he's at the top of the wrestling food chain. Anyway, Edge wouldn't win the match by pinfall when Edge was on the mat and AJ was waiting for Edge to get up so he could hit him with a phenomenal forearm. And as he's doing this, he turns his head and he sees Damian Priest on the outside of the ring standing there. So once AJ sees this, he then has to focus his attention back on Edge in the ring. And once he sees Edge get up, he jumps on the uh, top rope, goes for the phenomenal forearm, but Edge catches him in midair with the spear, then covers him, and he wins the match. Edge and AJ had a good match. It's not the spot. It's not the quick, quick, fast-paced, boom, 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 the match that you guys think you would want. Remember, these guys are seasoned veterans so they got to use those fast-paced uh maneuvers and moves whenever it benefits them to make a match be special and this is one of those i'm gonna have to watch it two more times for to really grasp everything i know it was a good match but before i could call it a truly classic i have to watch it two more times but again good match between edge and aj styles and after the match you saw damian priest get in the ring, and as Edge is kneeling in the ring, you saw Damian kneel in front of Edge, 
Edge then gets a smirk on his face and he stands up and then he lifts his arms up so he can have Damien rise up. And Damien stood next to Edge and then you saw them both lift their arms up in the air. So now you have an alliance between Edge and Damien Priest. Damien Priest, because remember, he's went through this whole dark phase right now that he's in. Him teaming up with Edge just makes a lot of sense. So with them being in an alliance together, I want to see what type of heights they're going to have with Edge and Damien Priest. I, that's that's truly what I want to see. After this, we had the New Day going against Sheamus and Ridge Holland with Butch in their corner. Uh, the New Day would lose the match to Butch and Ridge and Sheamus by pinfall when Sheamus broke kicks Woods in the face when the referee was occupied with Butch, who was trying to kept on getting in the ring, and Ridge would then hit the Northern Grit on Woods and then cover him for the win. I didn't like this match because the New Day paid tribute to their buddy Biggie. They were wearing singlets. They were wearing the same singlet uh, color style, the same singlet that Biggie wore when he won the WWE Championship. And this is also the New Day's second time losing to European guys or foreigners, if you will, at Dallas, Texas, at a WrestleMania. Because the last time they lost to a foreign stable, they lost to the League of Nations at WrestleMania 32, when they were the SmackDown, well, when they were the WWE Tag Team Champions, the New Day were, and they were on that long, historic uh, title reign. So again, I didn't like that they lost here. They were paying tribute to their buddy. I didn't like how they did that. I wish WWE would have just gave New Day the pin, well, the win here, but uh, uh, whatever. I didn't like it. After this, we have Pat McAfee going against Austin Theory. Pat McAfee would win the match by pinfall when he counters out of the A-Town down and rolls up Theory for the win. Mr. McMahon was at ringside for this matchup. Uh, Pat McAfee, he did what he had to do. He did another great job against Austin Theory. I mean, Pat McAfee is a natural. He is a special, unique guy because he was in football. He was a punter. He got to live out his dream there. Then he goes over to WWE. He lives out his dream here by being an announcer. But in NXT, he got to wrestle twice down there. One against Adam Cole and once in War Games. And now he got to wrestle at WrestleMania. For anybody that's not a wrestler and you're just a guy that watched wrestling and you did another sport, to have the three matches that Pat McAfee had, you will be happy and say, you know what, I did what I wanted to do in wrestling I got to live out that dream, and I'm happy. I have a feeling that Pat McAfee might want to do more, but I'm glad that he's around commentating. I'm glad that he's around WWE because Pat McAfee, it brings a whole lot of fresh air to the WWE product on SmackDown. I'm happy that he got to live out his uh, WrestleMania dream here. Anyway, after the match, as Pat McAfee was celebrating his win and he was uh, taunting Vince McMahon, he was taunting him, saying that he'll give him a two-piece. And Vince has a look at Pat, and you see Pat McAfee just constantly taunting both Vince and Austin Theory. And you hear Michael Cole over commentary said, Pat, you don't want to do this. Pat, just take the win. Come stand beside me. You'll be good. But that doesn't happen. Vince McMahon takes his suit off. He gets into the ring. And Vince calls for a ref to get into the ring. And as Pat McAfee got into the face of Vince, you saw Theory attack Pat from behind. And... Theory would then leave the ring, and then you see Vince tell the ref to ring the bell, and now we have a match between Vince McMahon and Pat McAfee. It wasn't the greatest, because Vince is so old, and he shouldn't even be in the ring. You only saw Vince, like, clothesline, clothesline, Pat McAfee. 
uh, Theory would get involved when he grabbed Pat McAfee's by the legs and then like rammed him into the steel post and making the steel post hit Mag- Pat like in the nuts. Then you see Theory hand Vince a football and Vince like punted the football into Pat McAfee's stomach, turned over Pat McAfee, covered him for the win, and Vince McMahon won the match. After the match, you saw Austin Theory and Vince McMahon celebrate in the ring, and they would continue to do this until Stone Cold Steve Austin's music hits, and he makes his way down to the ring. Stone Cold would get in the ring, up to Vince McMahon, talk to him, and ask him, what are you doing? And they would continue to have this conversation until Austin Theory tried to attack Austin from behind. Uh, Steve Austin would hit Austin Theory with a stunner, and then you see Vince McMahon try to talk it out with Stone Cold because he knows what's about to happen, but he did convince Stone Cold to share a beer with him. So Austin gets a couple beers. He hands one off to Vince. They toast and they have a beer together, but you know the same recipe when it's Vince and Stone Cold in the ring. Vince got to eat a stunner. So Vince ends up hitting Vince McMahon with a stunner, and boy, this was the ugliest stunner I've ever seen. More than likely, it's probably because both of them are old. Let's be honest. Vince is old, old. And Austin is old, but he can get anybody in position for a stunner. But Vince McMahon is old, old. He shouldn't be in the ring. He took an ugly stunner. He's always had an ugly stunner face when he had to take a stunner from Austin. It just continued on. But this is the ugliest stunner I've ever seen from anybody. But he ends up getting stunned by Austin. And then Austin will try to... uh, Celebrate back in the ring. He gets more beers. He drinks them in the ring before he tells Pat McAfee to get into the ring. Pat, realizing this, he gets in the ring. He gets a couple beers with Austin. They toast it up. He drinks it into the corner. Pat Austin drinks drinks his beers in their corner. They're celebrating with the fans and all this type of stuff. Austin would then give Pat McAfee another beer. They toast in the middle of the ring now. And you see Pat drink his beer. You see Austin drink his beer. And then you see Austin quickly put his beer down. Kit Pat McAfee in the gut, stun him, and there you have it, folks. Austin is always DTA. Don't trust Austin. If Austin hands you a beer, you better take that beer and run out of the ring so you make sure that you will never, ever get stunned by Austin. And that's a lesson that Pat McAfee learned tonight. Again, Pat McAfee did great in his match with Austin Theory. Uh, there's no more I can say about Pat. It's a good thing that Pat McAfee is in WWE. He brings a lot of fresh life into the commentary, and he brings a lot of uh, enthusiasm because you know he's a true fan. Now, time for the main event of WrestleMania, the unified championship matchup between the WWE champion Brock Lesnar going against the universal champion Roman Reigns, who has his special counselor Paul Heyman in his corner. Roman Reigns would win the match by pinfall when Roman got off of Brock Lesnar's shoulder as Brock was trying to hit the F5 on him. And Roman pushed Brock into the ropes. And then he hit Brock with a spear and then pinned him for the win. Uh, During the match, you saw Roman spam his moves. You saw him hit a Superman punch after Superman punch, a spear, and he tried to hit another spear. And then you see Brock hit a lot of German suplexes, uh, F5s. I mean, this was your quintessential Goldberg and Brock Lesnar matchup between these two big heavy hitters, and I was happy to see that, because you know what? This didn't need to be a long, drawn-out process. Uh, Roman, at one point, he got locked into the Kimura lock. He reached the ropes, and you saw Paul Heyman, like, beg and plead for Roman to get up, and Roman told him it's popped out. I, I can't do it. My old shoulder's popped out of the socket. I'm done. 
and Roman needed to hear from a special counsel to get up. You need to do this for your family after everything your family has done to get to this position. And this, I believe, kicked Roman into another gear to get off of Brock's shoulder and hit Brock with a spear to become your new unified champion. And WrestleMania goes off with Roman Reigns holding both belts in the air as Pyro goes off on the stage. So now we have Roman as the unified champion. Now, let's, this leads me to what's going to happen tonight on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Cody has announced that he has signed a multi-year deal with WWE, so it's not just a single year. He's there with WWE for a multi-year. That could be two years, three years. We don't know. It's just multi-year. And Cody's going to be on Raw with a mic in his hand for the first time in six years, so Cody's going to speak to the WWE fans and to the wrestling fans in general. And another thing's for certain, Roman Reigns is going to be there tonight, and hopefully, and I do say this with all the respect, hopefully we get to see a new champion crowned tonight on Monday Night Raw, and Roman drops the WWE Championship to somebody, somebody with a lot of credibility. Because boys and girls, I'm going to say this now, I do, I do not want to see one person holding both belts. I don't want to see it because you are going to have that person working double time, working on Raw and working on SmackDown. That's draining somebody, first and foremost. And secondly, if WWE tries to do the whole, well, we're creating one belt, no. No. There needs to be two champions for a Raw and a SmackDown because if you don't, you are killing the main event pool that you have at your disposal. You're like cutting your main event roster down in half because only a special limited uh, people will be able to get to that main event air for that one singular title that you're going to have. And personally, I don't want to see that. Not at all. Keep it two titles. And plus, it's the night after Mania. It's Raw after Mania. This is the first time you get to do something really special in two years since COVID has happened. 2020 and then 2021. Now we're in 2022. With the fans being there, you're out. You're outside, as you will, as the streets would say. The streets are open and people get to go there and watch a Raw after Mania. They get to breathe it in and the fans and wrestlers get to breathe in a special night. It's always a special night, Raw after Mania. You get to do something special. Do it there. Have somebody beat Roman or have Roman just drop the WWE Championship and have somebody become the new WWE Champion on Monday Night Raw. I don't care what you do, how you do it. Make something special happen on the night after WrestleMania. Tonight, Raw After Mania. Anyway, now with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed my review of WrestleMania Stand and Deliver and me giving you guys the uh, Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor results. Uh, this has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. I want you guys to have a great Monday. I want you guys to have a great week. Please say a prayer for everybody. Don't be a dick. Continue to live out your life and just be the best that you can uh you'll hear from me again on saturday if you listen to wrestling highlights of the week but if not you'll hear from me again on sunday for another episode where i talk about any and everything in the news or just stuff that i want to talk about but again this has been wrestling highlights of the week wrestlemania review i love you all have a great monday and kanye can you please take these people home i'm tired you tired uh-huh. jesus wept uh-huh.